Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, thank you all for coming out this morning. Thank you for uh, joining us in worship this morning. If you got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Psalm chapter 34. We're going to be spending most of our time in the Psalm this morning. And as you are turning there, I want to ask a question. Has there ever been a time where you have tried to go somewhere only to end up being somewhere where you didn't think you should be? You ended up in the wrong place. I think everybody here has done that at some time or another. Go back long enough, you're probably in school, you went to the wrong classroom. Sitting there, you're going, man, this is a subject I don't know anything about. What am I doing here? And teacher finally says, hey, this is physics 301. And you're like, man, I thought I was in social studies. So you like got to get up and you got to move, right? Well, when I was in college, my wife, Chris, and I, we were dating. We were... Um, we'd been dating like a little while. It was coming up to uh, Thanksgiving holidays. And so we, uh, we had made plans. I was going to come up and visit her um, for Thanksgiving. Now, this is one of those like meet the parents for the first time kind of thing. Uh, so I was planning on, on, on doing that. Um, and so Thanksgiving time had come. She had already, uh, she had already w- went home from college, and, and I, was, uh, I was going to leave after I was done with work and with school. And, uh, of course, when you're in college, you don't get a whole week off. You just get a couple days off, right? So I took off on, on Wednesday, and so I start heading to where she lived. Now, she lived and grew up in Grand Prairie, just kind of right, right down the road, not, uh, not too far from here. Uh, but I was in College Station at the time, and so I was uh, driving up. Now, also, i got to preface this with, this was a while back. <laughs> okay, there, there's, no, there's no cell phones. Well, there, there were cell phones, but no, very few people had them, and if they did, they, they barely worked, um, except for certain places. So there's no cell phones. Also, there's no GPS. Okay, there's some, but there was no GPS in our pocket. There was no GPS Garmin. There was no, like, plug in the directions that you wanted to go, and it just give you, like, a whole map. And while you're going, it tells you to turn left and right. right? So there's none of that. The closest thing that we had, if you remember, was Mapsco. Remember Mapsco? Anybody? Go to G4, and you can find a road. Okay, those of you that's used it, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, so I didn't even have one of those either. I just had directions written by my future wife. So... I'm coming up to Grand Prairie from College Station on 45, coming, on, uh, coming up, up here to visit. Now, I also got to say, I did not grow up in a metropolitan area. I grew up where there was space between towns. If you're driving, you actually had to drive to another town. You actually like left your town, went into the middle of nowhere to get to another town. So it, it was quite different. Now, I... Grew up in East Texas and grew up around Conroe and in those places, but I never really lived in the metropolitan area. I'd been, but I certainly wasn't driving, so this was a first for me. I'm driving up here. The only thing I got is this little piece of paper, about yay big, that's got some directions on it, you know, 45 to 20 uh, to Carrier to uh, Marshall, something like that, if I remember correctly. And uh, it didn't turn left and right, so <clears throat> I say all that. Because I get up here, I get on 20, I'm going down the road, and what do I see? I see a sign that says, Grand Prairie, exit now. 
I didn't know there was more than one exit. I mean, like when I was, when I was growing up, you, you saw a sign, you just exited, right? And so there you are, like you're in the town. That's the only exit for the town. If you miss that one exit, you may have to drive 10 or 20 miles before you can even make a U-turn to try to get back to that exit. So I'm like, Grand Prairie, okay, well, this doesn't quite line up because she has some other words that were underneath, and I was like, still, Grand Prairie. So I turn, so I'm going down this road. I keep going down the road. I get to this, uh, I get actually to one of the roads that she mentions, the only thing is, I'm, I'm in the wrong spot in, in the road, and she says, turn right. So I'm like, okay, and this kind of looks a little strange. So I turn right, I'm down, I'm down down the road, and the road, you know, this becomes like almost like a country road. It gets smaller and smaller, and there's no lanes, and there's nothing around. I'm, I'm, I'm in the woods. Now, this is a long time ago, Grand Prairie. I don't even know if it has any places like that anymore. And finally, I get to the dead end. I'm like, this, this is not right. I didn't see any of the cross streets that she talked about. And I was like, well, maybe she doesn't know our right from our left. So I turn around. So I'm going back. I'm going back across. I finally uh, get back on the road. I see the street that she says that she lives on. It says, turn right, second house on the left. So I turn right, and, and there's a second house on the left, and I see a lady that's, that's standing outside. And so I, I turn around. I park out like behind the car, and I get out, and I'm thinking that this is Kristen's stepmom. So... I walk up to her and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm George. Uh, is, uh, is Kristen here? And she goes, Christy? Oh, yeah, Christy's here. <laughs> kind of thinking, Christy, Christy. I, was, I, was, I didn't know her long enough to even know that her family called her that, so that would have been even, even more kind of strange. But, but her family does call her Christy, but I'm like, Christy. I was like, uh, Kristen? And she goes, yeah, yeah, like, I'll go get her. I'm like, okay. You know, you got those moments that you just think like you, it's just off, like, like, like something's not quite right. And so she starts walking up to the house. And so I said, hey, ma'am, excuse me, like, I'm looking for Kristen Burks. Is this Kristen Burks' residence? And about that time, I look across the street from where I'm at, the road that I cross, and I can see Kristen's car on the other side, on the second house on the left. And so... I was like, oh, this is the wrong house. And the lady comes back and goes, oh, oh no, this isn't Kristen Burke's house. And I was like, oh, man, like, I'm sorry. I, actually, like, I got the wrong house. Like, I'm, I just need to go, go across the street. I'm sorry for bothering you. She goes, oh, no, come on in. And I'm, Hold up. I'm, no, no, no. She goes, oh, no, like, I want you to meet Christy. And I'm just, <laughs> just like trying to, like, get back around to the car and, like, get back in the truck. And I'm like, okay, uh, ma'am, I... I I appreciate it, and she's still talking, and I'm getting in the truck, and I'm just still driving off. I'm like, okay. And so I get over there, and come to find out I had completely messed up. I took in the, the wrong exit, so everything was backwards. At first, I got onto her. I was like, man, you don't even know your left from your right. And well, she, she let me know in no certain terms. She absolutely knows what her left and right is. That I don't know how to follow instructions. But I say all that because sometimes we can end up trying to follow instructions, trying to get to where we were going, and end up in the wrong place. And so what I want to look at this morning is Psalm chapter 34, and we're going to be talking about David here. David is the writer of this psalm, and it's introduced in the first verse here, and David <clears throat> kind of ends up in the wrong place. And so in the first verse there, it says Psalm 34, uh, verse 1, concerning David, when he pretended to be insane in the presence of Abimelech, who drove him out, and he departed. Right. I'm going to set the background for what this verse is talking about. This verse here is referencing David back in 1 Samuel. 
1 Samuel chapter 21. And so in this, uh, um, Saul is, is after David. Uh, Saul's, trying to, Saul's trying to have David killed. And so David's running. And so he's running away from, from Saul. So David ends up going into this kingdom, the kingdom of Abimelech, or, or uh, his actual name was King, um, King Akesh. And so he's in this uh, so he's in this kingdom with uh, uh, running away from Saul. He's with King Akesh there. And so um, uh, when he's in there, uh, we can read about this in 1 Samuel 21. When he is in this kingdom, uh, at this time, this is King David, so he's recognizable. He's recognized. People can actually recognize him, but he's hoping to lay low until the threat from Saul is over. What we have is uh, David's uh, beginning to walk around, and some of the king's servants, it says, some of King Akesh's servants recognize David, or they, they think they recognize him. They start talking among themselves, isn't this David? Isn't this like King David? Isn't this the David where his people, whenever they celebrate, they sing his praises? Isn't this him? So his servants are starting to recognize who King David is. Now, to give you a little bit more background of where, of where uh, David is at this point um, in, in his walk here, uh, King Akesh is, is, the, is the ruler of the kingdom of Gath. If you know anything about the kingdom of Gath, you know there's a certain group of people there at this time, the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were a mighty group, and they had a mighty warrior. Does anybody remember the famous Philistine warrior? Goliath. So we have Goliath who is a member of this kingdom, who was probably a star among the people because it talked about him back in the Old Testament, uh, being a man among his people. So everybody knew who he was. So now David's in the kingdom with the Philistines, who, who, who uh, Goliath was part of, and now he's starting to fear for his life. He's like, they're going to recognize who I am. They're going to recognize who I am. And the servants are probably like, man, this is, this is King David. He's the, he's the guy that, that killed our man. So David starts to get a little bit worried. David starts to get worried, and we read in, in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel that he decides, and I'm not saying that this is right or wrong. We can debate that some other time. He decides to pretend to be insane. He's like, i gotta, I got to save myself, and this is the only method that he comes up with saving himself. So he becomes insane. He starts scribbling on walls incoherently, acting like that. Uh, the Bible even says that he starts to uh, kind of drool at the mouth, and drool, it says, it comes down his beard and starts to drop off. So David is 100% is, is, is into acting insane. If he was in a court of law, he would be pleading insanity. And it goes on to tell us that the servants then bring the king and says, this is King David. This, this right here, this is King David. And King Kesh looks at the man and goes, are you kidding me? This guy's crazy. This guy is crazy. Why have you wasted my time to bring me in front of a crazy guy? And this, it's kind of funny. Because he said, do I not have enough crazy people in my kingdom? How many times in here we got, man, we got enough crazy things in our life. We got enough crazy people. We don't need any more crazy people around us. But King Kesh is like, man, do we have enough crazy people here? And I got to think at some point he was worn down like a little bit because in there he actually, uh, he, he goes on to even say 
Um, why did you bring him into me? Do I, do I have such a shortage of crazy people that you brought this one to act crazy around me? Is this one going to come home with me? Man, he's given up. Have you ever been in those moments where like, you get these arguments that you know that you're just going to lose? And you're like, man, is this one coming home with us? I just need to know so I can prepare. He ends up not going to his house. In chapter 22, uh, we see that David escapes from Gath. He ends up going and hiding in a cave in, in Dalam. And it is in this time, and I set this all up because it is in this time we believe that, that he took time to reflect on what was going on in his life and write this psalm. So that first part there is just kind of setting up where he was, um, um, where he was. And so we go on, and in, in, um, we finish up in, in, uh, in verse 1 there. We're going to read to verse 7. Uh, David says, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim Yahweh's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescue him. Verse 6 there, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from his trouble. I think we can get three points from, from, from this verse here alone. First point is troubles. We all got them. Troubles, we all got. I can't imagine a single person sitting in this room right now that hasn't had trouble in their life. In fact, I would find it pretty rare if not every single person in this room right here, right now, is dealing with some kind of trouble in your own life. We always have troubles. If we were completely and openly honest with each other, in this moment, we would see, we'd get a glimpse of the immensity of the troubles that some of us in here are carrying. Troubles may arise from our own doubts, our doubts about what's going to happen, what's, what's going to come out of this, doubts about our own self being able to do things, doubts about my place. We also have troubles of our memories. How many times do our memories haunt us? How many times do we have those times of year we do not like? How many times do those memories come back? And Man, we don't want to relive that. We have memories that haunt us. Sometimes it's the future that haunts us. What's to come? What's it going to be like in five years? Troubles. If I was to ask you for a moment to try to think of a trouble that you were having that you were having right now, I'll give you some time. Okay, that was quick enough. You already got into your mind. You do, don't you? Some of our troubles come from emotions. Our emotions are just out of whack, man. We we just can't we just can't grab a hold of them. We can't keep them in control. Sometimes our troubles are mental. We're tired, we're exhausted, our mind's wandering, our mind goes to places where it shouldn't. Some, some of us suffer from depression, from anxiety, from disorders. 
Sometimes we have financial troubles. Troubles where, man, we just don't have enough at the end of the month to make ends meet. Sometimes those troubles are brought on by our own choices, not being good stewards of what we have. Other times, struggles occur because of financial struggles occur because of job loss. And Lord forbid, medical issues, because we all know how expensive those are. We have troubles financially. We also have sometimes, believe it or not, trouble in our own families. Not going to ask or raise a hand. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but how many of you have trouble with somebody in your own family? Okay, keep your hands down. No, I'm just kidding. We have trouble within our own families. Man, that cousin that just won't leave us alone. Man, that aunt. Man, that son. Man, that daughter. Man, that mom. And let me tell you about my mom. I'm just kidding. She's here right now. I love my mom. <laughs> but sometimes we have trouble with, with, with our own family. We also have trouble spiritually. Man, sometimes we, we are poor in spirit, meaning that man, we, we are not walking with God the way, the way that we are. We are also poor in spirit because of the battles that we have faced. Man, we are tired. We are exhausted. Our, spiritual, uh, our spiritualness is just at an all-time low. And sometimes we have battles physically, our troubles that bother us physically. Maybe it's a disease that's ravaging your body. Maybe your limbs don't quite work the way they do. Maybe getting out of bed takes a little bit longer. Or maybe it's more debilitating than that. We all have troubles, and if we were open and honest with each other, we would, we would see just the immensity that it is. So troubles we all got. Second point is cries we all make. It says the poor man cried. Cries we all make. We may not know how to fix our problems. I got to say most of the time I ain't got a clue. But I know this, we can all cry out. We can all cry out to the Lord our God. We can cry out to him, and we can cry out loudly, and he will hear us. This is another story. We'll talk about Peter here. Peter in Matthew chapter 14. Peter's in a boat with a bunch of disciples. They're crossing the sea, and the sea gets rough. Clouds come in. Wind starts blowing. The boat starts rocking. Disciples, they start to get scared. And so the disciples are on the boat, and they don't know what to do. And then when they look out over the boat and into the sea, they, they see this figure walking to them. And it's Jesus, but at first they don't recognize who he is. And like, man, there's a ghost coming towards us. Finally, Jesus comes close enough and says, don't be afraid. It's me. So the disciples recognize who Jesus is. And there's Peter. Peter, always the excitable one, the, the one that reacts quickly, sometimes without ever thinking. Peter says, Lord, if you just call to me, I'll come to you. While Jesus is walking on the water. And so what does Peter do? He gets out of the boat. He takes a couple steps. He's walking on the water. But then his eyes get taken off of Jesus. And he starts to sink. He starts looking at the things around him. He starts to sink. And what does, Jesus, and what does Peter do? He cries out, Lord, save me. And what does Jesus do? He reaches down, grabs his hand, and pulls him out. God hears our cries. 
he also hears our groans. In Romans 8, 26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit also joins to help in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken, unspoken groanings. I've been there, and I can imagine that every single one of you have been there. When there are times in our life where we cannot even verbalize the pain and suffering that we are going through, nothing comes out. There are no words. There are no words. There is only the groanings. The great thing is, is in this verse here, it tells us that, that the Spirit, the Spirit that Jesus has given us, has brought us, helps, intercedes on our behalf to, eat, to even, so that God can even hear our groans. We don't necessarily have to speak it. God hears it. God hears our silent cries. When we cry out to the Lord, we are giving up ourselves. And we are, we are relying on God. When we do this, when we cry out, we are saying, God, I cannot do this. I need you. I'm giving up on dependence on myself, and I am relying on God. I'm depending on God when we cry out. And when we cry out, we need to cry out in honesty, in reality, in consistency. Jesus says in Luke 11, 9, I say to you, keep asking. And it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened. Keep crying out. Cry out in confidence. The author of Hebrews says in 4.1, Therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. We may be assured that God hears us when we cry out. And when we cry out, cry out with confidence. Lord, help me. With the confidence in knowing that he will, that he will answer that, that he will respond. Cry out. He will not turn away. Troubles we all got, cries we all make, answers we all need them. Answers we all need. What does it say uh, there in the, in the scripture? The poor man cried, the Lord answered and delivered him from all his troubles. God hears you. I want you to think back to when you were a kid. And you were out. You were playing. You were with a group of your friends. And maybe you were in, you were in a busy place. Maybe something like an amusement park, sporting event. Maybe you were playing sports. Maybe you were at some school function. Wherever that you were. It's loud. It's kind of chaos. Think back to when you were a little kid. And you hear that voice, son, daughter, or your name being called, George. Oh, I know that's my dad, good or bad. Oh, that's my mom. Why? Because we know their voice. Now, as parents, I want you to think about your kids when they're out and about. And they're playing, and they're, you can hear them kind of screaming and laughing, carrying on, those kind of things. They're like, oh, yeah, okay. And then you hear that one. You hear that one scream. That's not normal. How do you know that? 
kids hurt, kids crying for you. You know you need to go to them right then, right there. Why? Because you know. You know it. Because you know your kids. I had it many times. My kids are roughhousing, playing around. David's trying to get up on top of his sisters and, like, take them down. They're fighting back. And all of a sudden, usually you hear a... Ah! Okay. Usually it comes with that. But that's to say we... God knows our cries, just like we know our kids' cries, like we know our parents' cries. Those people that we spend time with day in and day out, we know their voice. We know how they sound. God answers prayers. There's a story that's been told, like even ever since like I was a kid, um, been told many times. There's a, a story goes that there's a gentleman, and he's at his house, and the rain comes in, the storm's coming in, and the water starts to rise. And it rises up to the doorstep of his house. And so he's standing there, and about that time, a truck drives by and says, Hey, uh, evacuation's been, get, been given. Like, you want a ride? The guy says, No thanks, God's going to save me. The guy in the truck's like, Okay. So he drives on. The water continues to rise. And in uh, and, and about that time, trucks and stuff can no longer come down the road, and a boat comes down the road, and a boat comes by the man's house and says, hey, water's going to continue to rise. Let me get you out of here. The man says, no thanks, God's going to save me. Rain keeps coming, water, water keeps rising. It's risen so, high, so far now, the man's sitting on, you know, sitting on his roof. So the water is just rising up to his roof. Helicopter comes by, and the helicopter Says, hey, grab hold of this and we'll pull you to safety. The guy says, no thanks, God's going to save me. So the helicopter goes on. Well, the water continued to rise up above the roof. The man is lost. He ends up passing away and he goes to heaven and he stands before God and he asks God this question. He goes, God, I cried out for you to answer and you didn't save me. God said, I gave you a truck, a boat, and a helicopter. What more do you want? I say that because when God answers prayers, it is not always the way that we want. We get a mindset of this is how we want things to work out. And unfortunately, that's not the case. God is, the, God is wise beyond comprehension. And he has everything working in his order. It says he works to the good of his people, for the good of his will. We don't always know what that means. But in those times where we have troubles, in those times where we are crying out and we are waiting for answers, those are the times when we grow close to God. Those are the times that we seek God. Which leads us to our fourth point there. Refuge we all seek. Refuge we all seek. Now, when we get into verse 8 there, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is he that finds refuge in him. Taste and see as the Lord is good. This morning we sing a song that referenced that. I've tasted the goodness of the Lord and found the sweetest of loves. Man, that is encouraging there. 
being able to find, being able to, to find that refuge in God where our shame can be undone, where we can be free for sin, where we can find salvation. Man, we, we taste it. Like, how do you taste God? Like, like what does that even look like? You know, tasting God. Man, I gotta, I gotta uh, tell you, there are these uh, restaurants, man, that they're Brazilian steakhouses. Some of you may have been there. They taste really good. They just keep coming around, and you got this like little red and green card, and as it's green, they just keep bringing it to you, they keep tasting it. It's like, oh, so good. Oh, so good. Don't stop. Like, you don't even want to turn the card over to red because you know it has stopped, but you can't eat anymore, and you just keep going. Like, man, fill me up. Man, taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience for yourself that the Lord is good. I don't pray for anybody to go through troubles. Man, it would be great if, if we could go through this walk, the Christian life, and not face troubles. But troubles are just part of our lives. They are what happens. I don't know where you're at this morning. I mean, maybe you're dealing with maybe you're dealing with something that's going to change your life and you have no idea what to do. It is my prayer and hope you cry out to God for the answers that you seek a refuge in Him. Because refuge in Him, we may need it for a lifetime. Some of the troubles that we face, man, they're a momentary thing. Some of the troubles may last a couple of days, some troubles may last a month. Some troubles may, I don't know, last a lifetime. Whatever that looks like. And I don't know what the answers are. And I, and I don't know why troubles happen to some and don't happen to others. I don't know why there's a couple who's a missionary who live every day for their life for God and just go after him. And all they do is face troubles every single day while you have people who know nothing about Jesus. And it looks like they have it all together. I don't know. I can't be concerned with that. The only thing I can be concerned about is what I am doing with God, who I am before God, the troubles that I take on. I don't wish troubles on anybody, but when you go through troubles, you have something that others don't. Experience. Wisdom. You've been there. You've done that. We can help out others. I don't think we can never truly understand what somebody else goes through, even if they go through the exact same thing, because we're all built differently. We all respond differently. We all have different personalities. But in that, having gone through that, we can have more compassion. When I was 20 years old, most of the things that I had trouble with was, man, where am I going to eat tonight? When I'm 48 years old, it's 
a little bit different what troubles I have. Some things we face at 20 are staggering. It's a whole lot more than that. Am I going to be able to make rent? Am I, am I going to know what to do after school? Am I going to be able to, be able to find a person to marry that I want to marry? Uh, am, am I going to be able to do these things? Am I going to find a career? Am I going to make it? And for some of us, we've already gone through that, and we look back and say, well, just wait till this. Hey, we got to recognize that at that time, man, that's tough. That's tough, like that unknowing. We may understand because we've been through it. So going through troubles gives us the experience to be able to share with others, to be compassionate, to be empathetic, to be able to minister to them the way that Christ has ministered to us. So I pray that you seek refuge in God. David, King David here, all throughout the Psalms, man, refuge is spoken more times than I can count. Talking about finding refuge in him. And I pray that you do that, wherever that you are this morning. This morning, as the worship team comes, I want you to take time this morning. Man, if you're going through some of that, if you're going through some of those struggles, and we have an altar that is right here. You can come up here. You can pray. If you know of somebody that is going through something like that, go grab them. Go grab them. Man, pray for them. If they won't come up here, man, pray for them right where they're at. Grab hold. The blessing of somebody being able to pray over you is beyond words. When somebody prays, when you pray over somebody, you are blessing that person. You are calling on the all-powerful God on their behalf, using their name. How much better of a blessing can you get than that? And see, refuge isn't just about being alone. Refuge is also about being together. People talk about walking the Christian life, and I can do it on my own. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be with others. Man, God didn't build us that way. God built us to be together. You know, eventually, King David, he wasn't alone in that cave. Family and friends came to him. Seeking refuge. So this morning, let's all stand and as the worship team plays this morning, man, I want you to just do business with God. If you've got a heartache, man, come up here. Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord this morning. We're going to have prayer partners that are up here on both sides. And if you want somebody to pray with you, you can come up to one of these prayer partners. You can ask them to pray for you. You don't have to give details. You don't have to do that. Just grab hold of them and pray. Like I say, grab somebody around you and pray with them too. If you don't know Jesus this morning, if you have not found that refuge place, I want to tell you about Jesus. It is through Jesus Christ that we are here this morning. It is Jesus Christ that we have somebody we can call out to. And it is because of Jesus Christ that we find answers. And we seek refuge in him. So as the worship team plays this morning, you do business with God.